All right, Dave. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. We're having a good time with ABBA, singing, dancing. Now this. Now we get Kevin Klein saying the N-word within the first five minutes of this movie. I was My like, whoa. God. There are secrets beyond imagination. There are memories time cannot erase. It was a season of delight in a place called Brooklyn. The season of Sophie. Of Sophie and Nathan. And a young man called Stingo. I love that piece. <laughs> Look at this God's gift. Give me a kiss. One kiss. <laughs> All summer long they were together, drawing ever closer to the mystery of Sophie. Ever closer to her unthinkable secret. Sophie. Oh, please don't go! Don't go away from me, please! And I told you that the only thing I absolutely demand of you, the only single thing, is fidelity? Sophie, why'd you lie to me? Oh, the truth. The truth. I don't even know what is the truth. All these lies I have told. Tell me why. There are so many things you don't understand. So many things that I can't help. Explanation, please! Yes, it's So beautiful. How'd you get to be so beautiful? Sophie. How can anyone imagine that he knows her? Beyond the innocent, the romantic, the sensual, and the unthinkable, there are secrets we have yet to imagine. One of them is Sophie's choice. Jesus. All right, I, uh, look, I, <laughs> uh, how do I phrase this without, you know, I want to keep the target on Kevin Klein, you know, the, the character he's playing here, um, and not myself. The uh, use of the N-word, uh, you know, as a, as a white guy, didn't bother me as much because I'm like, this is set in the ye old times and this guy seems like an asshole. So right. we're establishing he's and an he's, asshole. And he's saying it in mockery of the South racism. Like, it's That's very... where I took <laughs> issue. Where... <laughs> because... <laughs> because he walks down the steps and it's this guy who's never met a new neighbor uh, in this fucking flop house they share together in Brooklyn. I love how in like old movies, I always talk like Brooklyn was some sort of third world country. And <laughs> yes. it's so amusing to hear now. Cause you're like, Jesus Christ, isn't that where movie stars live? Like now it is like, Oh my yeah. God, I had to take a the, white, the white people ruined Manhattan. it. You're seeing the start of it right here. <laughs> white people ruining. Well, Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, given how much I hated pretty much every one of the characters in this film, uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this dude hears a domestic dispute and just steps outside his room to see, make sure poor Meryl's not being beaten. And that guy just launches into him. He just starts doing a, a horrible impression, the accent. And I was, it took every ounce of restraint I have not to text you and be like, man, <laughs> fuck this movie. 
because <laughs> you made it like eight <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> like, man, I hate it. We haven't got to the Holocaust. We haven't really gotten to Merrill. Like, just fuck Kevin Klein. <sighs> Fucking camp counselor Gary Granger from Adam's Family Values is who we have cast opposite Kevin Klein. <laughs> that's and your. That's I'm, that's your. Frame of reference for him? Interesting. I'm a Ghostbusters well, it's guy. Well, here's that's, why that's it's my frame I... of reference. It's because he <laughs> apparently plays characters who just get trolled uh, by yeah. you know adults yeah. or <laughs> children. You know, Wednesday Poor Adams. Stingo. Poor Stingo. Just Stingo. Also an unfortunate yeah, name. <laughs> God damn. So he's tiny. He's a tiny dude. And, you know, he's, he's young and naive. That's his character. His first experience, he wants to live in New York City and be a writer, and said he's in Brooklyn, where they don't even have you know water or anything, apparently. <laughs> and he's it's got like, nothing to function. write about. He has no um, life experience. <laughs> is being attacked for being a southerner, a southerner who dares to come to the big city, the, I guess, Diet Coke version of the big city in Brooklyn. And I thought, man, if you would cast anyone who's even just like equal the size of Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein's not The Rock. Not a towering no, He presence. looks like it in this movie. Ta- you know, Peter towering over this guy, talking shit to him, making fun of his accent. <laughs> and I thought, I will five-star this movie on Letterboxd if Kevin Klein gets the beating of a lifetime right here. If he just gets mauled and put into a coma. By <laughs> little Stingo. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see, like, please, Stingo, be Joe Pesci from a Scorsese movie. <laughs> right. Not Raging Bull. Goodfellas Casino. Just... Just lunge up to him. Be my cousin Vinny. Just, you know, propel yourself to where you're the same height and attack this man. And it happens over and over <laughs> and over. So much so that I forgot at times. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought, when are we getting to Sophie's Choice? Because that's all I knew about the movie. Yes. I didn't realize that it's some revelation that comes much later. Right. And a lot of this movie is this toxic relationship with a mentally ill man Right. Which also, I think it's unfair. They don't reveal until much later. Like, oh, he's, his, oh. his brother comes in and says he's crazy. By the That's way, why. he's a nutter. Like, yeah, I actually... Because for the most part, doesn't he just look like a drunk? He just looks yeah, like an just, abusive alcoholic. he's just alcoholic. a dick. He's just an asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. And actually, you've hit on my... I like this movie a lot, but you've hit on the one thing that I really don't like about it. Is that... And it's, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure the fault of the original source material, the, the original book... But basically, we are telling this horrific story of this woman who, you know, I think is kind of, it's kind of, even though it's a twist in the movie, it's pretty common knowledge that this movie is about a woman in the Holocaust who is forced to choose between her children. Like, she's got to choose one to survive and one to die. Um, So we're telling that story, and we're telling the story of her almost dying herself, coming to America, you know, and being in this horrific relationship and accepting it because I guess, you know, it's better than being in a concentration camp. But we're telling it all through the guise of this, of Stingo. Of like, that's the framing device. Is Stingo. This, is this... <laughs> how did he feel about this, it? <laughs> this child, like, who cares how you feel about it? Like, I think if this is just Meryl's character story, I think it's much, much better. But I will say that this is like her performance. Like, I don't know what you can say about it that hasn't already been said. This is one of the greatest examples of screen acting you're ever going to see, especially. And it's she's so much better when she's just monologuing, when she doesn't have to deal with Stingo and this crazy man she lives with. When she's just telling her story, there is a perfect, probably 50 minute movie wrapped up in here because she is so, so good. Like, I've talked about this before. I talked about this when we spoke about Let Them All Talk. Like, despite 
the fact that Meryl Streep gets nominated every every time she like puts on her shoes in the morning, she gets an Academy Award nomination. Yet she's like weirdly underrated because we take her for granted. We're like, yeah, Meryl was good, but whatever. She's always good. Who who cares? And then you watch stuff like this and you're like, oh no, like she is in terms of my generation, she's the best actor I've ever seen. Like, I'll take her over anybody, over Daniel Day-Lewis, over any actor you want to name. I'm going to go with Meryl. And if you want to see why, watch this movie. Because, like, every time she's on the screen and gets to speak, she owns that entire screen. It's also how many at-bats she gets. You know, some Daniel Day-Lewis, like, oh, I need to take... Well, some, that's his choice. I, I gotta take nine years off and be a cobbler. Like, I just, like, just be an actor. To learn how to play this role, where <laughs> she, you know, puts out at least probably a movie a year, if not yeah. more. I mean, just consistently works. And, and even say, in movies you know, that aren't that great, she's still really good. Like, right. You know, that's... You know, like Woody Allen was known for being prolific, but then he would have lulls for, like, years where it's like, eh... Yeah. You I know, made just, four movies in 1996, but I'm not going to make another one until 2002. Yeah, yeah. and you know they just critically too. It's like it's he's got a lot of forgettable bits in his filmography. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a one-to-one comparison because it's a writer and director. You feel like, well, he has more control. Like he he made what he wanted to make, and people sure. didn't like it. So that's on you. Whereas Meryl Streep, um, you know, when she's in, uh, I think it was it Jonathan Demme's last movie, Ricky and the Flash. Sure was. Sure was. Um. That's a movie I liked quite a bit when it came out, I think in 2015, Same. but I don't that think... That was a movie you know, pass the, one for me. I never would have seen that except for movie pass. And I was like, you know what? This is fun. Yeah, such really disrespect for Jonathan Demme. Although I don't think the film was marketed as from Jonathan <laughs> Demme at right. that point. Right. Um, but even in things of that nature, which just feel like sort of throwaway like popcorn, like it's Meryl Streep is a rock star uh, and she has to come back into her family's life. I don't feel like she takes any at-bats off. Um, I, I think, the, you know, the true movie stars are like that in that yep. way. Tom Cruise is another one, you know, yeah. no matter For what action fences. movie he's in, he's, yep. he's treating it the same as Eyes Wide Shut or Magnolia. So I always respect that. Um, Nicholas Cage, another one in that regard, very different style performer, but I don't feel <laughs> like he's ever just being lazy about no. what he's working on. So <laughs> sometimes you wish he might be a little lazier, but she, yeah. he never does. <laughs> um, Sophie's Choice. So I'd never seen it because of the, the choice. Uh, I believe, I think it was my stepmom who was telling me about it. Cause as a, as a kid, I would see it referenced a lot. I'm like, well, yeah. Sophie's choice. Like, uh, cause they would say, this is like a Sophie's <laughs> Dude, choice. That becomes so offensive after you watch this movie, when everyone's like, yeah, it's a real Sophie's choice. Do I want cheeseburgers yes. or pizza tonight? It's a real, yes. so- like, okay. Dude, That's... no, it is not a so Sophie's choice. So that's how I got this. <laughs> <laughs> movie spoiled for me as a kid because I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. And she's like, well, it's a it's a movie. It's really depressing. And uh, Meryl Streep, she's in a concentration concentration camp, and she has to choose. Now, my stepmom, I don't think I'm misremembering. She told me it was a baby and like a child, like a five yeah. or six year old. And so she was like, yeah, she chooses to to throw the the baby into the fire basically because it's a baby and i was like well i guess it kind of makes sense because you have it's not even a fully you know, formed child yet just yeah it. Um, it can't walk however you know, know spoiler alert for watching it i'm like wait a minute that both kids are they're conscious yeah. of what's happening that's yeah. worse so i don't know if my stepmom was worse. trying to save me from like no no she picked between the no, five and just, the six-year-old she just murdered babies it's fine no big deal <laughs> it's fine <laughs> Politically, I'm in favor. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I've stopped any of these conversations lately at work. They're like, 
so, I mean, so you're you're a fan of killing babies? I'm I'm like, yes, I want the abortion laws changed. I'll agree with you there. I want it extended to five years of age. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. Have you I seen want these the option. Little jerks running around. <laughs> we can call it the Sophie's Choice Law. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh Amazing. horrific. Um I totally agree with you. I didn't realize that it was gonna be this weird love triangle that you spend most of the runtime on before you get to this. And I guess in some regard, how, unless you start with the choice itself and see, move with forward with her life, um, you can't just keep going back to, to that, right. that moment. Um, it's one of those things I, I feel like, I don't know if this is a fair criticism. Is Meryl Streep too good for this yes. runtime yes. where she gets across more emotional without having to speak at length about what she's lived through mm-hmm. that it almost feels unnecessary padding where it's like just a glance or just the way she introduces herself in conversation about bullshit, about going to a fucking park, going to Coney Island. I get more about her life than having a moment. Now it's a, it's a beautiful sequence where it's her like in sort of like, like blue sort of moonlight, oh. like seeing in the windows. Joseph lived with his half sister, Wanda. She was a leader in the resistance. Two weeks later, the Gestapo killed Josef. They cut his throat. They had courage. Oh, God, they had courage. It's an Oscar clip. If ever there was an Oscar clip, this sort of defines, like, yes. well, she won. Yeah. I don't know who was nominated against her. You all can go the fuck home. They, yeah, there was there was no shock that, that year where they're like, oh, yeah, that got to that scene. I'm done. Uh, can I call the studio and tell them to push my work to next year? Can we release you, the movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you bring up that shot in particular, and it's probably the most memorable moment of the movie. And this is what happens when you have a great director behind the camera. I'll probably mispronounce his name. This is Alan J. Pacula? Pacula? Whichever? It's uh, Pacula, I think. Pacula, okay. That always sounds wrong to like, that me. Is, that <laughs> but, sounds silly, but I did look that up, yeah. But if you look at you know other work he's done, especially Clute, there's a lot of shots like that uh, with Fonda as well. Um, and But it, this is such a weird movie for him to direct in terms of the love triangle stuff. Because I don't think any of that works. Like any of the love triangle stuff. Like I am I rooting I am rooting for Meryl to leave them both in the dust. Like, And the fact that this is – the script is kind of built like a coming-of-age story for Peter, Peter McNichol's character is kind of gross. Like given the source material here – and I think Kevin Klein is good in this role, but there's not a lot of levels for him to do here. There's not a lot of variation. It's just uh, he's at 12 for the entire movie, that and it's written into motherfucker, it. Motherfucker, if he woke me up through my bedroom window uh, saying the, what, the the corn is on the pone or whatever he says, like, <laughs> Jesus, oh, my God. Like, Get out I mean, of my it house. It would the minimum is a manslaughter charge where I, I truly lost my senses because I see Kevin Klein in like a bathroom outside at ground level just so he can wake me up. Uh, oh, oh, I just I I actually posted on our Instagram account because I was so enraged. Oh, I want it documented. Wow. I love like, that this that's is the, the only time you post on that when you're just so pissed off. Like I'm so bad, I'm gonna go online. That's how bad. <laughs> 
Isn't that look? Isn't that what most people do? Isn't that I mean, how we treat? Them? I mean, most people aren't so honest about that's what they're doing. I love that you just come out and said, "I just got really mad, so I thought I'd go on Instagram and just I just share my rage with the world." I wonder if people who like like these random posts, if they know what I'm going through, they're like, "That's kind of strange." Sophie's choice, um, random. I'm looking at the uh, best actress contenders. Uh, Julie Andrews for Victor Victoria. Never seen that. What about you? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. She's great in it. No Meryl, though. She's not Meryl. Jessica Lange, Francis. I think I started that once. Mm, and... Haven't seen that one. Okay, here's another thing, another caveat. I'm not a big uh, uh, mental health <laughs> I'm guy. I'm sorry, I just opened up Instagram <laughs> and the line is, the grit is on the brittle, the corn is on the bone. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I left the subtitles in. I want people to know what I'm watching. <laughs> and our our lovely uh, message there, if ever a man was asking for the beating of a lifetime, it's Kevin <laughs> Klein waking me up like this through my own bedroom window. <laughs> Hashtag Sophie's Choice, which is my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag for the, you know, for the Sophie's Choice fans out there. <laughs> I'm sure that is not what they're expecting to see when they click that. 40-year anniversary. Here you go. (laughs) The corn is on the pone. Oh, Uh, my God. I was about to say, you know, uh, I'm not the world's biggest mental health uh, fan as far as uh, content creation. Um, I I like the, you know, the dialogue and all that's healthy. Um, I do think, Scott, especially in the podcast sphere, mm. uh, there's the whole subculture of like, here's what's wrong with you. Like, let me diagnose you. I have no formal training whatsoever, but I'm yeah. a lifestyle coach and I'll tell you what's worked for me. Um, usually it involves being, uh, financially independent and wealthy already. That's right, <laughs> you right. see most of these creatives like, Oh, they don't have to go to work. A you know what you need? <laughs> You Money need to be independently wealthy. Yes, I'm aware. Well, what most of them would say is, uh, "What you need to do is give me more money." That's yeah. what would make you feel better, and I certainly would feel better. Jessica Lang, uh, Francis. I remember starting this and not finishing it, and I do believe it's about an actress with mental health problems. Really, Sissy Spacek there. and Missing. I have no idea what Missing is. Haven't seen that, but Sissy Spacek is usually great. So, Deborah Winger and an officer and a gentleman, which I'm mm. aware of, but I've never seen. Oh, yeah, she's really good in that. Again, no Meryl. No one okay. is. Like, is, is that the outlier of this this group? It sounds like it. Like, I look at it, an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> if, if I was reading this list, I certainly would skip Sophie's Choice. If I wasn't doing my homework for the podcast, <laughs> I would be like, of those movies, I want to see an officer and a gentleman because I believe, spoiler alert, it ends with Richard Gere carrying her off the factory line. That is to correct. Become some sort of mental health consultant on social media because now she's a yeah <laughs> definitely no that's good a factory job. I mean, I was with you until the end, but yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I think sorry. I think I, I think you'd really like an officer and gentleman. Actually, I, I think you you dig that movie because a lot. Richard Gere would never play a, a character named Stinko or Stingo. <laughs> it just would never happen. No, absolutely not. And I think if you if you remove Meryl from this lineup, that's probably the choice. Is Deborah Winger? She's truly great hmm. in that movie. But did like, she ever win? She never won an Oscar, did she? Or did she uh, Terms of Endearment? I think she, she might have for Terms of Endearment. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I said, kind of at the outset of this. this oh my is, god! What? Uh, I just pulled up her 
you know, Wikipedia page and go through the paragraph. Here's what she stands for. <laughs> Separate from that is one sentence. She starred as a series regular in the Netflix original television series, The Ranch, from 2016 to 2020. Nobody saw that. Shut up. That's not what she's known for. What are we What are the we ranch? doing? The Netflix Ashton Kutcher's The Ranch. Oh, God. God, it just keeps getting worse. Jesus Every word Christ. you say about this is worse than less. Horrible. But, like, I mean, I already I don't think said- she won an Oscar, Dave. I think she's one of those. It looks like she yeah, was like nominated, nominated two or sitting. three times. Yeah, I mean, when you go against Meryl, you know, you come at the king, you best not miss. I mean, that's you don't go up against Meryl during Sophie's God, I'm choice. I'm so pissed. Time. I'm pissed about all this information coming my way. I get online, <laughs> I just get enraged. The ranch. I feel like we need to do a month on Deborah Winger now. I'm like, this will not stand. Like this fucking sucks. Well, what, what, she, what can we do? We can do terms of endearment, officer and a gentleman. Uh. <laughs> See, now you're making me mad. <laughs> she was in Rachel she... Getting Married, sir. Oh, More that's right. Yes. Jonathan Demme. Yes. Oh, great movie. Yeah, absolutely. But could we Did find... you ever see uh, Forget Paris with Billy Crystal? I think I did, actually. That's another uh, one that pissed me off because she plays a character that I think they they have it portrayed like that she is not good enough for Billy Crystal, for like the Lothario Billy Crystal. And I, oh, Lord. <laughs> it's shocking I didn't get on an Instagram account and start posting my my anger issues. But um, oh, see, we could also woman. watch we could also watch Shadowlands starring Anthony Hopkins as C.S. Lewis. That sounds like right up. <laughs> mm, I'm making a face right now. I was thinking more <laughs> Urban Cowboy with John Travolta. Oh, sure, go. sure, sure. We could do that. I love how we're like Sophie's Choice. Now let's talk about Deborah Winger. <laughs> Look, okay, I did not like this movie. I just did I just flat out I didn't I didn't enjoy it. I I'm not saying that uh Schindler's list was just like a, a barrel of laughs either. I didn't I like you already pointed out, I didn't like the framing device. I don't like Stingo. I don't like Stingo as the nice guy option. Like yeah. you're in this toxic relationship. How about you come with me to the country, Georgia, wherever the fuck he comes from? And um yeah, she's yeah entertains it like well you know maybe it would be good to like you know to get into a different environment but you know i'm not gonna marry you and he's like uh that's the south uh you imbecile woman we have to be married i'm like this is the way you propose like a life together like he's not a likable character he takes too much shit from kevin klein she takes shit um i I suppose the only one i like is the brother character where he's like look this is a bad situation like this you is, go. you know, here's, it's tragic. I, f- I feel terrible, you know, but I, it's just going to turn out badly. He's, he's like, he's the person telling all of these characters in this weird love triangle. It probably should just stop. Like you know, the best <laughs> you can do is you can try to, you can try to cope with it, but eventually something very bad's going to happen. And right. of course it does. And it's just one of those things where, you know, I guess trauma begets trauma. I don't know for, for a movie, for me, it's like a woman has, sentenced one of her children to death and survives the Holocaust. And we also get to have good old times seeing her, um, you know, beg for her life with a Nazi who wants to have sex with her. And that's like every person that she encounters. That's like a Nazi talks about how sexually attractive she is. It's just, I did not enjoy any of it. And I didn't really feel like it was done in a delicate way, which is, in complete contrast to how Meryl Streep, what she's doing with her performance. Yeah. But the film itself is kind of 
I don't know this is too strong a word, kind of revolting at times. Like it's, <laughs> I don't, I just, I just did not, you know, I wonder if this came out now, if it would be seen as taking advantage or being somewhat tacky. And Oh, and I, I think it would. Um, okay. I, you know, and you mentioned, you know, you you gave the comparison of Schindler's List, which is apt, right? Definitely not a barrel of laughs, not a lot of, not a lot of comedy in Schindler's List. And I feel like that's where Sophie's Choice goes a little bit sideways is what they're trying to do is show you at the beginning, kind of like, even despite the fact that it's a pretty toxic relationship, like you see them having fun together, you see them being sexually compatible, like, oh, her life is so much better now, blah, blah, blah. But to me, that stuff, and I love, as you know, I love Kevin Klein. Like when I first sat down to watch this, I was like, oh, Kevin Klein is in this too? This is going to be great. And then I was like, oh, I kind of hate Kevin Klein in this. Like not even just the character. Like I don't like the performance. The corn is on the phone. The corn is on the phone. Yes. (laughs) I don't really like the performance. I think he's asked to try to be charming and violent at the same time. And that's a really difficult uh, line to, to walk there for him. And it's just really not in his wheelhouse. And I actually think... The movie being so happy and romantic is kind of where it goes wrong. I think all the dour stuff really, really works. And you have to be a master at screenwriting to balance these two things. And whoever wrote the screenplay here, I didn't look. It it just doesn't quite work for me. And I really wish it did. Let me back away from my Deborah Winger tab. <laughs> You're dragging me back to Sophie's yes. Choice. Yes. <laughs> So that stuff doesn't really work, but the stuff that works works so well for me that I still like the movie overall. And it's, this is, this is the Meryl show. Like, if you cast any other actress in this role, I don't think this works, especially when you throw in the accent work that she's doing here that she stays consistent through throughout the entire movie, which I cannot believe she is able to do because it is an over the top accent. Like it is very clear accent work being given here, but she never falters. You may know that she learned Polish before she began actually working on the character, right? Four five, six hours a day for weeks, for months until you're fluent in Polish. I read that, that you discovered a sound coming out of Sophie's mouth one day. Yes, it was a, I did have a sort of a woman that I had thought about, um, an actress that when I was at the drama sc- at Yale Drama School, I had a, um, there was a great Polish um, director named Andrzej Wajda, film director, who came and, and directed The Possessed, uh, Dostoevsky. And he brought with him a friend who was the greatest Polish actress at the time, and her name was Elżbieta Czyżewska. And this creature, when I thought was the most fascinating woman I'd ever met, because she had a European, and it was a flavor of thing that I'd never seen because I grew up in New Jersey. (laughs) But it was a a form of femininity that was so sort of self-aware and um, really seductive and blonde and um, uh, alien, alien to women brought up in the 70s who just want to talk to you like this, just want to be direct, you know, just want to have a, a conversation, just tell me what you want. 
Like you put another actress in here and you get a um you get a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves moment. Like eventually he just gives up on the on the accent and she never does, but she never loses her power as an actress. Sometimes when people do accents for an entire movie, the subtlety is gone and you don't really get the power of the performance, but Meryl is the best. So she continues it throughout the entire movie and really kind of drags the movie along to be good when it has no right being as good as it is. And that's all because of Meryl. I was trying to, uh, it is Pakula who uh, also did the screenplay, but I, I wondered if it was <clears throat> from the uh, source material itself, which uh, came out, you know, this was a pretty quick turnaround. It was a 1979 novel. Uh, so the film comes out in 82 um, because they knew, Hey, this is uh Meryl Streep's going to win an Oscar for this. So <laughs> let's just, you know, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's option that. Mm-hmm. Um, controversial. Um, I didn't really get this. Um, I, in fact, I, I don't want to say enjoyed, but um, the fact that uh, Sophie herself is not Jewish and gets embroiled mm-hmm. in this and her, it's revealed that her father was an anti-Semite uh, who was in favor of what ends up happening to him and his family. Um, I guess upon publication, um, there was some sense of, you know, you're, you're telling this powerful and moving story as far as how it was received, the novel and the film. And it's centered around a non-Jewish uh, uh, character going through a very Jewish experience. I mm. didn't really have an issue with that. Of course, I don't have any of that background, obviously. Right. But I felt like it, you know, in a, a film that has become, as you said, now I guess to like the choice between a cheeseburger and a slice of pizza as a Sophie's <laughs> choice. Uh, it provided a little bit more depth as far as maybe the sort of the world at the time. And also a character who maybe felt like they were um, not above what was going on, but that they're removed from uh, the sort of dire situation of the, the world at the time, the calamity and, and what humans are going to do to one another uh, that quickly finds herself embroiled in it. I didn't mind that. I don't know if it's explored with great depth in the film, <laughs> but I felt like it's, it's a, sort of an interesting facet that I never would have considered that, um, so, someone is almost forced to take a look at, uh, what they previously could ignore as far as the suffering of, of others. Yeah. It's a, this is, I, th- you know, you asked like if this was made today, like, I think that would be the overwhelming backlash to it is like, we are telling, a Jewish story through a non-Jewish character. Like we're, why would we tell a story of the Holocaust? It's like, Oh, this poor, innocent, non-Jewish woman who unfortunately got swept up in the Holocaust. Like it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's not great. But I, I do feel like I, one thing I like about this movie is the twist that her story takes. There are really no twists to the story in modern times, but one, the fact I kind of wish I was able to see this without knowing what Sophie's choice was. Uh, because it is a kind of, it's a shocking <laughs> moment. Klein or Stinko? Which one will she choose? <laughs> they both suck. Which choice, <laughs> which Pyrrhic victory will Meryl Streep take? <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's a reveal because all through the movie, it's like, no, that never happened. You know, I lost my kids, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you find out at the end. And the same thing with the story of her father. Like, you just assume, oh, her father must have been someone who cared and got swept up because of that. But it ends up like, no, he's like a 
a violent, hateful anti-Semite as well. So I think that stuff is all really well written and wonderfully, of course, portrayed by Meryl Streep because she's the one giving us all this information. Like, we lose our minds over, like, show, don't tell. This movie has a lot of telling. Like, it is all, I mean, they show you along with her monologuing about it because it is her telling her story. It's interesting that the the movie is based on a guy who's writing a book who has no life experience and then he comes into contact with this woman who has a story for the ages. And I'm so much more interested in that story than the story of this burgeoning relationship between Meryl and Stinko. Like I don't I don't care about that at all. I don't even care if it happens. Like as that is kind of showing itself, I'm like, yeah, I mean I guess. Can we get back to the real story here? I don't care about this. Who gives a shit? Like just leave Stingo alone and go get a job and live a good life because God, if you haven't if anyone has earned it, it's Meryl's character here. Let's just move forward. Uh last episode I sort of got to the end, because uh, we're we're on the clock with Zoom. You know, it's not that we wanna <laughs> Stop talking to each other. Although our listeners are probably uh, yeah, thank for God the for the clock. Of a free, Good job, Zoom. A free Zoom plan. <laughs> Forty minutes so, or less, maybe. <laughs> you mentioned uh, how possibly uh, you know, especially film Twitter in particular, would probably find this offensive. The sort of passing nature of of the character. Um, how do you think this ranks with? Uh, I think probably the two prime examples would be, and they're both successful. Uh, the last of the Mohicans, Daniel Day Lewis, as a white man uh, representing mm-hmm. uh, a, a native dying people culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the last Dave, or he will yeah. be. You know, Much like Tom Cruise is the bit. last samurai. That was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it probably rivals either of those two. But do you, is it fair to include it uh, in that that great history of? Uh, white people saying, I'd like to play that part. Can you just retrofit the <laughs> I think, character? I think it's niece? actually a really interesting triple feature, not only because of what you just mentioned, all true, but also I think all three of those movies um, were very highly touted critically upon release. And I think now upon rewatch are wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> like you're just like, mm. I don't know if this came out, t- like if those movies ever existed, but it came out in 2022, um, I don't know that The Last of the Mohicans or The Last Samurai would be, and same thing with Dancers with Wolves. I don't think that would be very well thought of either. Mm. So now we have a quadruple feature of white people taking over, uh, other people's stories that they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Alan, uh, J. Pakula and Michael Mann and Edward Zwick, I think, mm-hmm, did The Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. All successful. Um, he also did Glory, where, you know, Matthew Broderick. Got to Matthew Broderick got to learn about racism. Uh, <laughs> Solve that problem. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, watch Clute. Watch Heat. Uh, and the I Parallax View, a... right? Didn't you like that one? Is that oh one? yes? Yeah. I was about to say you got a. Do you have an Edward Zwick joint that you can point people to or not? Because I'm not. One's not coming to mind. I don't think <laughs> he's got hold. a Heat or a Clute. <laughs> hey, hold on. I want to <laughs> find out. There's got to be. There's got to be at least one. I'm pretty Good. sure Glory was his most successful film, but I'm not. He was uh, a producer on 30-something. That's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fine. Uh, let's see. Uh, ooh, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. No. Pawn the Sacrifice. No. Uh, I don't know about Love and Other Drugs. Oh, Defiance. The Daniel Craig uh, war movie. That's solid. I disagree with you. Mm, don't and like Hathaway that one. And Jake Gyllenhaal uh, having sex. I think you should have stopped there. I mean, um, Legends of the Fall, Courage Under Fire. 
Did you guys talk about Courage Under Fire and Silver Cinema? I mean, you know. It's funny, like, I, I go to Love and Other Drugs, which maybe is going back to the basics of, like, 30-something, like, just yes. uh, hot people having sex. Uh, but it seems like most of his filmography is uh, historical wartime, uh, you know, through the ages. Yep. Yep. I would go with Defiance, but I have not seen Love and Other Drugs, so... You have maybe. You've not... I know. With that poster? I with those? I know. Oh my I know. God, Dave. All right. Uh, I know. You know, coming soon. Deborah Winger <laughs> slash Anne Hathaway month. With Rachel getting married leading into ah, Love and Other Drugs. Very nice. Yes. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Anything but this fucking movie. Oh, Jesus. But Christ, we so get, you know, we get one more mother episode before we're done with our EP. Let's see if we can uh, mm. go out on a high note um, on our EP or if it just peters out at the end. Like, eh. We'll see. My wife would disagree with you because it stars John Krasinski. So well, this will be my first no... watch of Away We Go, so we'll see. We'll see Spoiler, it opens with oral sex. Sure does. Scene, so this podcast is on the way up. I can ship my I'm playing, drawing plays. If I could, I would.